Welcome to the I Am Sexy podcast. I'm your host, Ray, and this is a safe space where being vulnerable is the norm and sexy does not equal skinny. I'm here to remind you that beauty begins within, that life is just one big, beautiful mess, and that you, more than anyone else, are worthy of your own love. We're going to equip and empower you to dig deep and find your sexy because sister, you are worth it and you are stunning. Hey babe, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the I Am Sexy podcast. If you haven't already, I would love it if you would leave a review and make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. These are what help get the podcast out there so that I can continue to serve women just like you. I love this tribe and I would love to connect with you. So come find me over on Instagram at IamSexyTP. Share your screenshots of this episode and let me know what you think. And before we dive into today's guest, I just want to say thank you for tuning in, for your support and for sharing this. I'm so grateful. On today's episode, I catch up with my friend and radio personality, Jess Farcioni. Jess and I met when I started working for the Hit Network, where Jess is part of the Hit 106.9 breakfast radio show, Nick, Jess and Ducko here in Newcastle. Jess grew up in Melbourne before following her job to Newey just a couple of years ago, where she met her now fiancé, Angus. She's a passionate and vibrant woman who has a heart for community, supporting women and having a laugh. We chat about Jess's journey to radio, some of the self-belief she's had to overcome since growing her profile, and she says some of her key ways to support women doing things in the community. You can find Jess on Instagram at JessFarchione, that's F-A-R-C-H-I-O-N-E. Without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. How are you? Excellent. How are you? I'm good. All right. Let's start so that you can get home and go back to bed. (laughs) 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 All right. So uh, first color, uh, first color, first question, because this is what I ask everybody is what color underwear are you wearing today? Bear with me. (laughs) Oh, a boring black. I'm sorry, but they are Victoria's (laughs) Secret. So I think that makes it a little bit more sexy. Nice. Lovely. A little bit of class. Love it. So good. A little bit of class. Nice cheeky (laughs) <laughs> that actually my fiance bought for me so I mean oh <laughs> I'm impressed go Angus yes him. I love very intimate personal gifts like even yeah. if it's wrong like I don't like yeah. it I love the thought being thought. put into something something special yeah or not yeah. even special just something yeah anything yeah <laughs> so funny hey I think I would die if Caleb came home with lingerie I don't know why, but I'm just like, I just think, because I just know how uncomfortable he is about even like going into like bras and things. I'm like, you went in there on your own. you say that. I was like, did you go into a store to get these? He's like, absolutely not. Bought them online. I went, is that worse? Like imagine someone, I don't know if the FBI is looking at your browser history, like you were just on Victoria's Secret website for a really long time trying to pick out a couple of pairs. It could be worse. It could be like a porn site or something trying to like some sort of sex shop. Like Victoria's Secret is like a gift shop practically. Totally, totally. All those beautiful ladies. I mean, that's fine. Oh, good on him. So funny. So before we dive into it, my first question is, what is your definition of sexy? I think mine is confidence. I think we're living in an era and 
thankfully, we're moving away from a stereotypical definition or look um, mm. that is associated with sexiness. So I certainly think it's confidence. It's owning who you are, whether that's, you know, loving what you do for a living and, and owning it in that regard or loving your individual look or just really bringing a sense of I'm comfortable with who I am. Mm. I think that overshadows any other definition of sexiness. Yeah, for sure. What is... I guess to give you an insight, what's the Jess Fart story? What, where did oh, you start? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're obviously like, you're in radio. Um, have you always been in radio? How did you get to radio in general? What's the Jess Fart story? <laughs> yeah, so to get to where I am today. So I currently do breakfast radio at Hit 106.9 in Newcastle. Certainly never considered radio as a job. It was one of those things, mm. I think like singers and actors, I looked at those people and I realised they were human beings, but they didn't seem like jobs. It seemed like you were chosen or you were a celebrity. And obviously mm. being a kid, I didn't see myself in that regard. So didn't aspire to mm. be in yeah, that sure. world. Um, so I actually, I did drama and dance as a kid because I liked performing, but again, never thought it would translate to a career. Uh, so I actually studied business management at a university in Melbourne. I thought I wanted to own and run hotels. Uh, <laughs> so I went down that sort of corporate business path until I started working in a hotel mid-degree and realised management of hotels is literally dealing with complaint guests. And I went, that's not fun. That's not glamorous. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but finish the degree because education was always a big deal and my parents were very encouraging and just thought, look, get a degree under your belt. It's not going to hurt yeah. you. So I did and got an office job and absolutely hated the commute, hated sitting in traffic, hated sitting at a desk, hated being told what to wear by my yeah. boss who told me I had to go to Q and, you know, David Jones and Maya and buy specific what? pencil skirts. Yeah, like it was a real image thing being in the what corporate sort of, world. What sort of industry was it? Like, mate exhibitions so you know how you might go to a convention center for like the bridal expo we worked in a company that basically built the stalls and coordinated all the stall hold like a fun sort of idea but so you know pen and paper numbers specifics yeah, and right. really kind of rigid so i i i hated it and i actually asked for leave to go on holiday and my boss said no and i went you know what i don't even like this job so i quit um, and then kind of went back to went back to casual work and was just doing retail until a friend of mine who was studying media had done some journalism, had worked in some magazines and wanted to try radio as her next medium to just see if that one took you know her fancy. Yeah. And she said to me one random Wednesday afternoon, hey, I'm going to this info night for a community radio station. Do you want to come? And I was like, okay, what else am I doing? Nothing. <laughs> so I drove us to this info night, listened to the woman give a spiel about community and community radio and the doors it could open and the fun we could have. And I'm like, oh, this sounds all right. But had no real intention, was just going along with my mate who ended up saying, right, so should we sign up? Right, so should we put a show plan together? Right, so we're going to do Sunday nights. <laughs> and I was a yes man and went, yep, yep, I've got nothing better to do. 
And our first show was called Life with a Side of Fries. We were on <laughs> Sunday at 10 p.m. And we literally talked about anything and put it under the guise of life with a side of fries and you should play potato specific games to give it a niche because we were like we can't be too generic um so we would, do, we would do a potato related game every now and then and it was the greatest fun of my life the minute i pressed on air for our microphones to go live i went holy hell i've just found what i want to do yeah. for a living if someone will pay me to do this, I want to do this for the rest of my life. So yeah. it was an incredible moment to finally feel like I'd found my thing. Yeah. Um, that's why I totally appreciate people who feel like they're floating, who, who feel like what they're doing isn't the right thing because I didn't realise I'd felt like that till that defining moment. Yeah. yeah. And it was the most joyful moment of my life. So it was um, that, that started the path of me getting into commercial radio stations and you know working on my skills to be on air and uh worked my way up to newcastle and now i never want to leave so dream job dream and if you leave we'll chase you and bring you back anyway so <laughs> please promise me that because I, I i will be leaving under duress if i leave you know what i mean so, <laughs> so i don't think angus is going anywhere anytime soon good luck <laughs> absolutely i found me a local boy i've sunk my claws in i ain't going anywhere <laughs> So good. So besides obviously finding, I guess, your calling, was there, have there been any other sort of pivotal moments in your life that you look back and go, that was really defining, that really changed the game for me? Ooh. To be honest, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, to be honest, it was only a couple of months ago, but I really do feel like it's changed my perspective on life which is a massive headline. I saw Jason Alexander do a live stand-up show. Uh, you probably know him as George from yes. Seinfeld. So he did a live stand-up show and my family, we're all mad Seinfeld fans. So we went along thinking it would be a lot of behind the scenes Seinfeld gossip about the cast, about the show, about you know the popularity of everything. And Jason really took a stand on, I am not just Seinfeld, I have a life behind me. Yeah. Which was just as fascinating, to be honest. And he mentioned something. He talked about some childhood trauma that he's only recently, I'm going to say dug up in therapy now that he's oh, mid-40s. Actually, he's probably older, to be honest, mid-50s. Mm. He's only recently worked on it in therapy and he talked about when he was six coming home from school and this was at a time when six-year-olds came home from school on their own and had a key to the house <laughs> um, and they had been robbed. The house had been completely gutted We're, um, and he was talking not just TVs and game consoles, couch, fridge, television, oh. furniture, cutlery was all gone from the house. They had literally brought in a moving truck and a team of people and gutted the house. And he was saying as a six-year-old coming home to that and opening the door, his first thought was that his family had left him, mm. was that they packed up the house and moved away. And he was probably on his own crying in the corner of his house for two and a half hours before his mum came home and found him. And he talks about deep seeding that trauma right up until now 
and only uncovering it recently and how much that has sort of impacted his life as he, as he unpeels mm. layers. And he basically, the moral of his story was everyone you see now, whether they are on the street, whether they are in your workplace, whether they are rude to you in a cafe, every one of those people was a child, was a six-year-old mm. at one point. And we just don't know what happened to them in their life to make them the person they are today. And I just, I'm a real, I'm a really sensitive person. If a stranger is rude to me on the street, if I get a little bit of sass from a customs officer, if one of my friends is a bit bitchy, I go straight for what have I done? Why, what's wrong? And I get really, I take it really personally. Yeah. And to hear him talk like that, even about strangers and maybe the homeless guy or the drug addict we see being mm. a bit weird in a park, to now start thinking of everyone as they were once a child, I don't know. It really shook me like we don't know anyone's story. And even the people closest to us, we probably don't know their story mm. as well as maybe we think we do. And it just really made me see some perspective on how we treat other human beings and how quickly we sure. judge them or how we, how we are interacting in our everyday so yeah, that re it was only a couple of months ago, but every day something happens where I'm interacting with another person, albeit a little bit less now with coronavirus <laughs> and isolating. But there was, I, I'm, I'm really like, you know, I get mean comments on Instagram or on blogs and stuff about me. And I go, I don't know what that person's going through. Yeah, they're taking it out on me. And yeah, that sucks. But I can't be that I can't take it on board as much as I mm. used to because one it's damaging for myself but two it, it helps to think all right they've got some crap going on something probably yeah. happened maybe they were a six-year-old and they came home one day and their house was cleaned out and they thought their family had left them and that traumatized them you know what I mean it might be a bit far-fetched but it, it helps me deal with humanity and life yeah amazing I love that hey because it is it's so true like you come into contact with people you have no idea what kind of day they've had or, yep. you know, you've said something and it might, they might've had a great day, but you've said something that's resonated with something that their abusive father has said growing up or, and suddenly they're just like, oh my goodness, trauma reaction. Yeah. Exactly. And that Huge. doesn't excuse bad behavior from anyone. It doesn't mean you have to be a punching bag and you have mm. to be enlightened, mm. send one and just take it all <laughs> in. But it does help process why sometimes we are treated the way we are treated. And also to remember how far our kindness can go and yeah. um yeah absolutely that's so good I love that um yeah. <laughs> it's yeah it's cool I love it because that's something that I really struggle to do I'm like why is this person being a bitch yep yep no excuse for that behavior get it together particularly when it's strangers like I gave the example yeah. of like the homeless guy or you know the yeah. drug addict walking down the street who's clearly not in a good way and you just think before I judge, before I scoff or before I roll my eyes, mm. that, that person used to be a child. Like mm. it, it, it helps us see the innocence and, and the human side of mm. something maybe on surface level can be scary or daunting or, you know, mm. you want to walk away from. And I think trauma has only become a word that has become okay to use in the last two years. Like oh, so recent. I remember like Absolutely. when I was doing a course a couple of years ago and someone was like, yeah, that's because you've been through trauma. And I was like, what? Like, no, yep. I haven't. And then they dug up, like they just started talking about all this stuff that I've been through. And I was like, oh, I'm actually allowed to call that trauma. I haven't been in a car accident. I haven't been beaten up. Like I haven't been 
traumatized, but everybody has trauma. Everyone. Yes. Yes. And now the way starting to put to... a name to that. Yes. And, and normalize it and call it for what it is um, can help us all move, move forward or at least keep moving and, um, and, 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 you know, get to a better place with each other. Mm, yeah, for sure. I think too, that sort of, it goes into what I want to talk about next actually, but when everybody's got trauma, so often that trauma is what develops our beliefs about ourselves and our confidence levels or our lack of confidence, our insecurities and all that sort of stuff. Um, I haven't prefaced this conversation with saying Jess and I work together. (laughs) 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 I work with Jess at the radio station um, and she's a very bright and bubbly person who exudes a lot of confidence and a lot of personality. Um, Have you always been like that? I mean, because even off there and off the camera, you're like <laughs> larger than life. <laughs> you know what's funny? I I naturally fit radio because I have a lot to say about a lot, so it works. I mean, and and I I love connecting with people on different topics and subjects and on different wavelengths because that gives me. I don't know, a feeling of, yeah, connectivity and inclusivity. Mm. Have I always been like this? I guess you'd have to ask my mum and dad. I think I was always a natural sort of performer and a bit of an attention seeker. Probably has something to do with having a little brother. So it was probably like I need to keep (laughs) having mum and dad's attention. So I had to keep talking and all that. But my parents were always very engaged, very curious you know, around the dinner table, we might've had the telly on whilst we were eating, but my parents, what did you do today? What did you learn? Who were you with? And they wouldn't accept one word answers. So I grew up in a household where talking was so normal and encouraged. So, you know, whilst my brother, and I guess it's being a boy as well, sort of regressed and he's a lot quieter than I am because he probably resents having had to talk (laughs) so much at dinner. Whereas I now am like, this is normal. This is how you connect with people. This is how you learn about people. Yeah. Um, in terms of confidence, I've always been okay in front of a crowd, uh, on a stage, if I felt confident with what I was up there for. Yeah. Um, I've been asked to MC and host various events and I have learnt how to say no to things that I truly either don't believe in or I'm just not passionate about because that's where I get nervous. I feel like a fraud. I feel like, you know, there's someone more suitable that should be up here. And I don't want to lie. I don't want to fake. I don't want to have to put it on because I naturally have so much passion for so many things. So I've really worked on saying yes to those and no to the others because that's when I found myself out of my comfort zone, when I was forcing myself to talk or do stuff that I wasn't truly passionate in yeah for sure for sure I think often people who are in the spotlight particularly in media and you know on the radio on tv in front of a crowd whatever it is um can people can really assume that there's no insecurities because you're up there in your lab and and you don't have bad days and all of that sort of stuff there's no fear um have you I'm not going to say have you everybody has what are some of the fears and insecurities that you've sort of had to face in life in general, even in work, like just as an overall umbrella, I guess, when it comes to being okay to be in the limelight and being okay. I mean, we were talking about like trolls and stuff on the internet and you copying 
that sort of keyboard warrior stuff, what sort of stuff have you had to sort of work on and face up to, I guess? Yeah, the confidence to be myself and that my opinion is my opinion and it matters, mm. but it doesn't mean that I am trying to put anyone else down. It doesn't mean that I think my opinion is better than yours if it's different. So I found myself when I first entered radio going so hard on my opinions and notching things up 10, 20%. I didn't like something. I loved it. I didn't dislike something. I hated it because I thought to protect myself, I had to be so far on either end of the spectrum because I thought no one will argue with me if they feel mm. like I can shout them down. And that was something I really had to work on because I, I thought I had to protect myself from differing opinions and people maybe coming at me with their opposing ones. Mm. Um, and I'm still working on it, to be honest. I think I've softened a lot because mm. I realised I don't have to do that. You can be meh about some stuff and mm. that's fine. Um, it might not be as controversial as love or hate, but it's <laughs> fine. It's normal. Um, but even then, sitting on the fence can attract just as much mm. online criticism or to your face criticism as well. I work in a, in a trio, you know, there's already two mm. other opinions that'll probably differ to my own. So <laughs> the insecurity to be myself and, and know that my opinion matters doesn't mean I have to be a bitch about it. Um, and it also, you know, when people come at me with their opinion, again, their opinion matters, but if they start coming at me personally, I am still working on, not taking it personally, remembering those those messages we just discussed about, yeah. all right, something's going on with them and that's <laughs> fine. I am their punching bag today and it sucks, but I can I can respond in kindness or just not respond at all. Um, yeah. So I'm certainly, yeah, still coming to terms with being okay with who I am, not walking on eggshells just to try and not offend anyone because I went I swung the other way I went oh I'm gonna go really hard now I'm gonna try not offend anyone and that is impossible yeah. in life let alone in radio so yeah really working on the insecurity that it's okay just to be yourself and have your opinion and yeah people will agree people will disagree and it's not the end of the world yeah, I think when you've got really strong opinions, like I'm a very opinionated person. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I think at work, I'm probably less opinionated than I am anywhere else. But um, and it's so often that if you're, if you don't have a stance one way or the other rock solid, it's like you're almost stupid and uneducated. You can sort of feel a little bit like, well, I don't know enough about it. And so I'm just going to cop out and everybody doesn't like that. Yes, yes, exactly. It's like one way, the other way, but the middle can cause you just as much. So you may as well find what you feel and vocalise it because in this day and age, we know yeah. everyone has the platform to say they're opposing you back. Yeah. So you may as well pick one. <laughs> I love it when someone, I was talking to someone the other day and they were talking about politics and I was like, I'm just not interested. Like, I just, just couldn't care less about politics and I just don't really, oh, no. I just don't have the energy. And they're like, that's a privileged view. And I'm like, I know it is. I'm so aware of it. And I'm okay with it because I just have, I have so many opinions and so much energy for other things. I don't need to worry about politics. Yes. <laughs> that's where your energy goes. Go for it. But this, my stance on it is, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say politics. I remember having a real all out 
uh, tiff, let's say, <laughs> with my dad about politics a few years ago, because he was very much, I said, you got to, you got to go with the person, you know, you got to judge on the person who is leading this campaign, who is going for the prime ministership or whatever. And my dad was trying to argue, it's not about the person, it's about their policy. And I went, I don't care about policies. The only one I really cared about back then that, that resonated with me was the environment because I'm not wired to think about the economy and finance. Like I'm, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what the economy is like that. I know that word, <laughs> but I can't judge a potential leader based on their policy for the economy. Cause it means nothing to me. Mm-hmm, so I look at the person, I look at how they speak. I look at what they say and how they say it and how they speak to reporters and how they speak to their team and how they speak to the public, because that's what resonates with me, the person. So yeah, it's like you pick your battles with the subject <laughs> you can and you can engage. Yeah. In. I totally get that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> One of the things I really love about you, I just want to bring it back to, I guess, not sexy so much, but just women in community. And one of the things that you are so good at is backing women in their space in any way that you can. I cannot count the number of days Jess will be wearing something and it'll be like, where'd you get that? Oh, my friend has this new shop or this, (laughs) you know, or there'll be stuff on Instagram that you're sharing. Like you are the first person to get behind someone and be like, I am going to promote the absolute heck out of this. Like, um, what... What are the, some of the key things that you do to do that? And why do you do that? Um, I, one of my favorite things in the world are markets like the farmer's market, the olive tree market, the hunt and gather markets when they were on. I love seeing people create stuff Mm. that is so niche and is small and it's quiet and they're not doing it for fame or fortune. It's just because they love macrame or they love terrariums <laughs> or they love fabric or they love jewelry. It gives me a real wholesome feeling. Mm. Um, maybe because I work in, in radio and entertainment and it's all glitz and glamour and celebrity. And, you know, we talk about you know, Kylie Jenner, who's 21 and a billionaire and it's all this really far away glittery world that when I break it down to what's important to me it's small and quiet and wholesome Mm. and I think I see a lot of women in this space that I just connect with because I go I love that you have found the time and you've prioritized something in amongst you know everything else they're probably doing and now you've taken it this step further that you're out and about and you are you know making some money off it at a market Mm. or whatever so I think I just connect with women using their hands and and brains and creating something out of nothing for the sake of joy I so Mm -hmm. rarely hear the motivation being fame or fortune the motivation is to share what brings them joy yeah. And I just love that. And that's why I do what I do because I have such a good time doing it. And I want other people to have a laugh on their way to work or to learn something or to feel like they're not alone in whatever their problem is because I've got it too. Yeah. So I think that that sense of shared community, I'll use that word again, and yeah. sharing each other's joy, it gives me joy. So it's a selfish yeah. thing because I love it. So I'm, I'm very <laughs> happy to make sure everyone else knows about it because it's, it's a wonderful thing yeah. to see. That's awesome. So what are some of the ways if people want to support people around them? Um, like so often we'll have friends that, you know, are creating things or whatever and selling it. And, 
you know, I remember I had a friend when I was in uni who started up a fashion, I think it was fashion. And I was like, I love her stuff, but I cannot afford to buy it. How like, there's so many ways that I've just learned this recently myself, actually. There are so many ways we can support people in what they're doing without, you know, having to throw all that money at them, which yes, and often is great. But <laughs> yes, I was going to say, look, the first one is to buy it. I mean, obviously yeah. the more, you know, money they get, the more they can do it and all that sort of gear. But also the smaller the operation usually means the price tag is larger because mm. they're hand making stuff, they're smaller batch. Absolutely agree with you there. So if you can afford it, yes, absolutely buy it and, and pay full price. I get a lot of people saying they want to send me things and which is so awesome and so kind. However, more often than not, I say, I'm happy for you to send this to me. If I like it, I'd like to buy it. And if I like it, I will post about it on social media because in this day and age, social media is one of the biggest advertising platforms, mm. particularly, particularly if a mate of mine put something on their Instagram, like they're loving a new body lotion. They just bought a new skirt. They just found a new macrame piece for their living room. <laughs> Seeing a friend post about it on their social media is more impactful for me than mm. seeing an influencer with a million followers. Because whilst you feel like you know these people, you don't know these people. Mm. Seeing my friends rave about something is when I go, oh, mate, she mm. likes the same stuff I like in that space. I'm going to go do that. So I think just sharing and, and talking about it, tagging them and just mm. celebrating. If you like something, tell everyone, you know, mm. um, yeah. Yeah. So even if you see something that maybe, yeah, you can't afford, Hey, my birthday's next week. Um, do a bunch of you want to get together and, and get this for me? Uh, yeah. So I think just that sense of sharing people's joy, yeah. um, whether it's, monetary wise and, and getting it for yourself but just talking about it and celebrating people's good work the amount of small businesses run by women most of the time in the arts and crafts space that I found on Instagram just from clicking through to tags and and seeing you know one of my girlfriends posted a picture of her living room and she had this pot in the corner I was like where's that pot from so just asking questions and and um having a keen eye for that sort of stuff I think that's the real nice ripple effect of, of uh, community and talking about it. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. Hmm. What is something you think women need to hear more of? Oh, this is something I had to be told uh, by a, a mentor of mine a couple of years ago, a female mentor, was to say no. And we did touch on it mm. earlier about how much we're doing, how much we expect ourselves to be doing. And it's bad not to be busy and you've got time, blah, blah, blah. But again, I used to say yes to everything because I hated disappointing people. I hated letting people down. The more my profile grew in Newcastle, particularly, I didn't want anyone to think I was a diva and that I wasn't good. Uh, I thought I was better than maybe what they were offering, that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, I was burning out. The end of 2019, I was so tired. And I am tired all the time. My alarm goes <laughs> off at 4.30am and it has gone off at 4.30am for four years. That adds up. So I'm always <laughs> tired, but at the end of the year, last year, I was exhausted physically, mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally. I was spent. So saying no 
and prioritizing what you're passionate about is so important. Mm. We are such people pleasers. I know I am. I'm such a people pleaser and I don't want anyone to be mad at me or not like me. So I was just saying yes to everything, but I've really had to learn. It's okay to say no. Again, don't have to be a bitch about it. Don't be like, hell no. Just be like, thank you so much for thinking of me. Um, I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't take that on right now. Um, and that's in a job sense. If it's a personal sense, like, Hey, I just need some me time. Hey, I'm really burnt out. If you want to make an excuse, make an excuse, but I don't even feel like we have to do that. You can just yeah. say, no, thanks. No. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it's so, it's funny too, because I mean, the end of last year was a pretty big year for, I mean, Brecky show in general anyway. And I've never known you to be the person that's in bed by eight o'clock for work. <laughs> Carly and I were saying this and we're like, she just goes and goes and goes, where did she get the energy? And that's the thing. I, I love this job. So I, mm. my alarm goes off and I genuinely am awake, but it gets to, you know, I'm on air 6am till nine. It gets to about 11 and I do start to feel the, the come down, if you will. Mm. And I need, and I need some quiet time. So it becomes that, all right, the middle of the day for me is like little caterpillar going in the cocoon, just have some quiet time. And when I'm on my own, I'm not as stimulated as when I'm around other people. So it's like, okay. Um, And again, getting, yeah, getting the, getting my energy from the things I'm passionate about keeps me going. It's fuel in my tank. Um, so when I'm expending that fuel on stuff that I'm not particularly passionate about, yeah, as, as I said before, like I'm always tired, but when I feel like I'm, you know, using up my fuel on things I'm passionate about, it's almost re-energizing at the same time. Whereas when I'm using up the fuel on stuff that I feel like I'm, I'm ticking a box or I, I've, I've, my foot, my hand has been forced. It's, it's not replenishing at the same time. So, um, yeah, finding those things I'm passionate about refuels me anyway. So it's, yeah. I can keep going and going and going. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Hey, when you find that thing that gives you energy, you just sort of do it all the time. And then you're like, I actually have to stop. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> awesome. Okay. One last question. Uh, finish this sentence. I feel sexy when? I make my fiance laugh. Yeah, I love being silly. I love having a joke. Um, I, as I said, I am sensitive. So the banter has to be within certain parameters <laughs> for me to receive it. But I, I love making, you know, he's my favorite person. So I love making him laugh, but I like making anyone laugh. I think laughter and humor and having a good time are the sexiest of all the of all the qualities and as I mentioned before feeling comfortable in your own skin to to let loose and pull down the facade sometimes um that's when I feel my most true self my most authentic my most stripped back which in turn yeah when I feel sexiest nice I love it uh where can people find you Okay, I am on Instagram, of course, at Jess Barcioni. Um, and that's really it. I have TikTok, in, um, Twitter and Facebook, but let's be real, all my time is on Instagram, so don't worry about the other platforms. <laughs> Barcioni is F-A-R-C-H-I-O-N-E. I got it. Yes, and of I course, of course, that was, yes, well done. You should, get, I'm sorry, I'm not celebrating that. You 100% should have gotten that. We've known each other long enough now, thank you. Um, but also, of course, Hit 106.9 if you are in Newcastle. Um, otherwise, you can download the Hit app. And uh, Nick, Jess and Ducko 
every weekday morning. Um, but the podcast is all our best bits, of course. And um, it's a lot of yeah. fun. A lot of good fun to listen to. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks so much for your time, Jess. It's been so good. And hopefully our isolation oh, finish. My... I'll be able to come back to work. Yay. <laughs> my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Babe, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the I Am Sexy podcast. I hope you loved this chat as much as I did. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. I promise this podcasting amateur improves. And to leave a review. Every little bit that you, my beautiful tribe, do to support me and to show me your love means the world. So thank you so much again for tuning in. I'll see you the same time next week for another sexy chat. Bye.